Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Dry. The Dry was written by Jane Harper and was published in 2016. And the film adaptation directed by Robert Connolly came out in 2020. And this is a patron-requested episode. Yes. Our patron, Pia... Also might be Paya. I'm sorry if we're mispronouncing your name, Pia. Um, requested this episode, and Pia is from Australia. Yes. And this is a book and movie that take place in Australia. So kind of cool to represent another country. We haven't done another Australian combo since, what, Picnic at Hanging Rock? Yeah, which ended up being one of, like, a sleeper hit from last year, <laughs> for us anyway, because we weren't familiar with it, and it was a fantastic book and movie, so. Mm-hmm. Shout like, out to all our Australian listeners. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I know this was a really popular movie and book in Australia, but also here in the U.S., too, as far yeah. as detective stories go. Uh, my parents read a lot of them, mm-hmm. and my mom saw the book, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that one, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was worried for a minute we wouldn't be able to do this episode at all. Oh, my God. Because we had a fucking hell of a time (laughs) finding this goddamn movie online. Yeah, and I always post for patrons, like, our schedule for the month so they know ahead of time what we're going to be reading and watching. And I always look up to see where things are streaming, where you can watch stuff online. And I was lied to, Ian. You were. You were I was lied to. I was told it could be streamed on Fubo. Mm-hmm. So we were going to get just a free subscription to that, which we still have to cancel. Oh, yes, because that is like $70 <laughs> a month because it's like cable. Yeah, but we couldn't watch it on no. Fubo. Here's the thing. I hate Showtime, and I'm pretty sure this is all Showtime's fault because they will have movies, right? Yeah. And so Hulu is like, hey, you can watch this movie on our platform if you subscribe to Showtime, So, <laughs> which is a lie, yeah. essentially. and. Yeah, it just becomes or like, you know, if it was if a movie was ever on HBO, if you Google it, an HBO link will pop up mm-hmm. to be like, watch the dry on HBO. And then you click it and it's not there. Yeah. Uh, and then on Amazon, it was like you can watch it here, but you have to buy it on the website and then you couldn't buy it on the website. And then we had to pull up the Amazon app on our TV <laughs> and somehow we were able to buy it from there. Yeah. And stream it. <laughs> It was only eight bucks, so it wasn't that expensive. But my God, the the effort. The saga. I don't know why this one was so difficult to find. I know. I mean, I'm guessing because it is an Australian production, there might be different legal That's true. constraints on it because licensing is such a thing with movies streaming nowadays. But That's why everyone, please just buy all of your movies on Blu-ray. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it is just worth it in the long run. Just own it. Own it. Yeah. O- own a copy of it so they can never take it away from you. <laughs> Except when the new form format comes into play you know what i know there's 4k now blu-ray is fine yeah. it is perfectly like you watch dvds and you're like yeah the quality on this isn't maybe quite as good mm-hmm. nothing is ever going to be like that much better than blu-ray <laughs> that it's ever going to like make me want to forget them let's move on <laughs> I'm all, I'm you're b- all fired I'm up all fired up you're about like this. showtime Ugh, blu-ray fucking showtime <laughs> Let's get into the story. Yes. It begins with our character, Falk, Aaron Falk. Mm-hmm. He is a federal police officer. Yeah. Living in Melbourne, mm-hmm. but returning to his hometown. Oh. Kiwara? Kiwara. Thank yeah. you. I, was, I suddenly was like, I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> I'm probably mispronouncing No, that. I think that's right. Kiwara. Yeah. 
he's returning to his small farming hometown Mm -hmm. because there has been a murder-suicide of a family there. Yeah. The setup is that, you know, it was this husband and wife. They had two kids. One was like a six-year-old boy and one was a baby. And it seems like the father, Luke, uh, killed his wife, Karen, shot his son, Billy, did not kill the baby for some reason, yeah. and then went out, left the house, drove his truck out into the bush, and shot himself. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Falk is coming back to his hometown because he and the killer, Luke, were childhood best friends. Yeah. And Aaron kind of had to be pushed to go. Mm-hmm. He saw the newspaper, but then Luke's parents actually contacted him. Yeah. With a mysterious message about, you lied, Luke lied, be at the funeral. Be at the funeral. Be at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Falk is a federal investigator, but he does, like, financial crime, mostly. I like this aspect of it. Yeah. And he's not, like, a man of action in no, any way. No, He's very much just investigating, and mm-hmm. it's not even his forte. He's used to, like, office work, mostly. Yeah. Working in a city, and now he's here in this, you know, rugged wilderness. Even though it's where he grew up, he doesn't really fit in anymore. Yeah, no one wants him there. <laughs> yeah. Um, he shows up to the funeral. It's very depressing, as you can imagine, where you have a murder-suicide and, you know, burying a six-year-old boy. Like, it's really tragic. Yeah, and, you know, the father being buried as well and people understandably being upset with what he had done, mm-hmm. but also trying to cope. It, it, it's just a whole thing. And the town is in the middle of a drought. Yes, the dry. The dry. <laughs> I I mean, just plains of dusty brown grass, mm-hmm. just dead trees. Every, nothing is living. And I think the, the film has an advantage here for me. For sure. Because the cinematography and how they've captured this landscape mm-hmm. is really atmospheric and impactful, I think, for the story. Yeah, I mean, we open with shots of the dry, cracked earth, right? Mm-hmm. We're constantly seeing the dust and the grime and just the wasteland around us, you know? It really sets the stage, and it shows us, and the book tells us this too, but this is sort of a desperate community. This is a farming town All these farms are drying up, the cattle is dying, the crops are failing because there's no water. So, you know, there's this school that's super run down because they don't have any money. There's these, this like center street town area that one by one, the shops are closing, right? People are desperate, people are angry. And, you know, people are wondering, was Luke the first one to snap? Right? Because of the drought. Because Luke was a farmer as well. Mm -hmm. And people were saying, I mean, he was doing better than a lot of us, but we're all doing, we're all struggling. And yeah, so there's kind of this sense that everyone is on the verge, maybe, of snapping in one way or the other. Yeah. So Falk, the main character, is definitely walking into this very on-the-edge community, right? Yeah. Falk ends up connecting with Luke's parents because since he and Luke were childhood best friends, he spent a lot of time with them when he was growing up. And Luke's parents, long story short, want him to investigate the murders. Yes. Because Luke's mother, Barb, I think. Barb, yeah. She doesn't think that Luke could have done it. And I mean, it's understandable, right? It's her son. She doesn't want to believe that. No one could ever want to believe that their child is capable of something like that. Yeah. So she's like, 
I know you're just a financial investigator. Look into their finances. Maybe like they owed money somewhere and like gangsters were coming after them. Yeah. You know, it sounds so far-fetched. And then you find out stuff later that makes it seem less far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, is, <laughs> is that still far-fetched or was this always? Yeah. Yeah. And Aaron kind of very, very reluctantly agrees to look at the books uh, in an unofficial capacity. Yes. But like we said, no one really wants detective. No, he's not a detective. I, mean, I, mean, I think he is, but. Is he official? I don't know. Aaron Falk <laughs> around in this town, even though he grew up here for most of his childhood. And that's yeah. because of another mysterious death from when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. When he and Luke were best friends growing up, they hung out with two other teens, Ellie and Gretchen. And Luke and Gretchen were kind of together at this time, and Ellie mysteriously drowned one day. It's set up like a suicide. They said they ha- she had, like, river rocks in her pockets. Yeah. And, you know, they pulled her body out of the river. However, once again, people a lot of times don't want to accept something like this, mm-hmm. and th- they're wanting to look into it. And unfortunately, they discover among Ellie's things a note that has... Falk's name on it. Yeah. It's different in book and movie. In the movie, he had sent her a letter to meet him at the river. Yeah. And uh, Falk went there to wait for her and she never showed. Yeah. And then, of course, she ends up dead. She had died that day. Mm-hmm. And in the book, they just discover a note she had written with that just said Falk. And, and the date. And the date. That she died. And he has no idea what that's about. Yeah. But either way... This evidence is enough for the town to suddenly suspect him. Yeah. And unfortunately, he didn't have a good alibi for that day. Mm -hmm. He was off fishing by himself. Nobody knew where he was. And his friend Luke says, listen, man, I know you didn't do this. So tell people you were with me. We'll say we were together. I'll cover for you. I'll cover for you. And and Falk is very much like, okay, yeah. And they, they come up with this lie about going out and shooting rabbits, right? Yeah. A lot of people in the town don't buy this. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure put on him and his father, and they're eventually driven from town. Yeah. It's really sad. And in the book... The the just the word Falk actually kind of ties in the dad too, and some people think that the dad murdered Ellie. Yeah, because or Aaron. It's just their last name, so it yeah. could have possibly been the father too. So yeah, they're both kind of under scrutiny. Yeah, more in the book than in the movie. But there's something else interesting too about this, where the dad, Luke's father, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry, yeah, asks Falk. Do you think Luke could have possibly killed her? Because at the time, it had seemed like Luke was doing Falk a favor by saying, yeah. like, hey, say you were with me. We were by ourselves, mm-hmm. whatever. But Falk, Falk is like, I don't know where he was. Yeah, Falk never knew where Luke actually ever was. So he's like, maybe that was more of an alibi for him. Yeah. And the dad thinks so as well. And the dad is, you know, always kind of dismissed it as the two of them who were innocent the whole time trying to cover for each other in an unfortunate situation. But now that his daughter-in-law and grandson and son are all dead, he's like looking back and saying, well, what if he killed Ellie and I didn't see the signs? Yeah. And I didn't stop this, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of this retrospective. And so, you know, Luke's dad kind of uses this to put pressure on Falk too and saying, you know, if I'm responsible for this happening, that means you're partially responsible too and you need to help us. At least look into this. Yeah, really twisting that guilt knife (laughs) uh, into Falk. Yeah. 
around this time, too, Falk reunites with Gretchen, mm-hmm. the woman who had been dating Luke when they were younger, kind of a part of that foursome. Yeah. And he and Gretchen start to hang out, mm-hmm. start to reconnect. Things are a little flirty. Yeah. Can- she has a, a son now, mm-hmm. but, you know, she's not married. Falk's not married. It kind of seems like with the past that they have that they might rekindle a romance. Like, they start hanging out and spending time together, and she's giving him the lowdown on the town and how things are and what's been going on and things like that. But the thing is, she owns a farm yeah. there. And with everything going on with Falk and how aggressive the town is towards him, but she owns land there. You're kind of like, would she ever leave? Yeah, to be it's going to go anywhere. Would he ever move into the town to be with her because mm-hmm. everyone fucking hates him and that <laughs> wouldn't be good? So. Yeah. After Falks agreed to help look into the finances of the family, we're introduced to Officer Rako. Yes. Sheriff Rako, I think. Sheriff Rako. Yes. The funny thing about this is that I kept thinking his name was pronounced Rocco. Oh, no. Because, and subconsciously, when I grew up, there was a show called Rocco's Modern Life. (laughs) And Rocco was an Australian wallaby. (laughs) So I was like, Rocco, right? I mean, it could be. I think it's Rayco. Well, they say Rayco in the movie, I believe. Okay, okay. But I also think they spell it differently, so I don't know. Well, and in the book, you thought that Gretchen's son's name was (laughs) Lockie? Latchy. Latchy. It is Locky. It is Locky. I thought it was Latchy. <laughs> you know, Latchkey kid. Oof, I was like, what a <laughs> shitty name. I hate that name. <laughs> Little Latchy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yes, we meet Sergeant Rako and Falk heads over to the Luke's family farm, the crime scene, basically, meets Rako. The two of them start talking. Initially, Falk is there just be like, I'm just going to look at the books, whatever. But Rako's really a nice guy, and the two of them end up kind of getting along and vibing, and um, they get to talking, and Rako is kind of sharing some of his thoughts on the crime scene. He was the one that found them in um, both the book and the movie. Rako kind of takes Falk through the house yeah, and into the crime scene. I find this really interesting in the movie, especially to see like where they are in the house. Yeah, and Rako is a very green sheriff. He was just yeah. recently assigned to that town or however that works. And so this is, I mean, so early in his career and so startling. The movie definitely depicts him as being way more shaken yeah, and kind of out of his element at the beginning, at least, which is totally understandable, obviously, given the circumstances. Yeah. But he still has a good head on his shoulders because he's bringing up just kind of weird things about the crime scene, right? Yeah. He says, Karen, the wife, was shot in the doorway. And he's like, why would she have been right at the door Yeah. when Luke came home? Yeah. That doesn't really make much sense. Like, like she, Luke has his own key. Yeah, why would he knock on the door? Why would she be there to greet him at the door? Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, the, the son, Billy, his room was kind of torn up, like someone was looking for him before they found him. And he's like, wouldn't the father know where his hiding spot might be? Something yeah. like that. And finally, he said, it's so weird that he didn't shoot the baby. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? The baby's room is right across from Billy's. Yeah. The adre- the adrenaline's going. Mm-hmm. He's why- just killed his six-year-old son. Why stop at the baby? Yeah, if this really is like a crime of passion, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. y- you know, why not kill the child and... Falk brings up, well, maybe the baby just isn't a good witness for whatever happened here. Yeah. Kind of just alluding to the fact that it might not have been Luke. Well, and then we find out that the 
ammunition that was used in the crime is not the ammunition that Luke stocks on his property. Yeah. So it was Luke's gun that, you know, was used to shoot Karen and Billy and himself. But, like, he there were only those three shots, right? Yes. Of that type of ammunition. All the other ammunition on the farm is of a different kind. The movie kind of portrays this as blue and red ammunition, <laughs> which I'm sure is not how they look Probably in real life. Probably not. They're like, Winchester's always red and yeah. Remington's always blue or whatever. But like visually, it's helpful for people watching a movie. It is, because later on, there's just a scene where someone's using blue ammunition mm-hmm. and you're like, <gasps> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good visual tip off, I think. Yeah, but just little details that don't sit quite right with Reiko. And this kind of ends up with Falk teaming up with Reiko and Falk getting much more involved than he originally planned to get involved with. Like, first, he's just looking at the books, but then he's with Reiko. They're interviewing suspects together. They're talking about theories. They're reviewing camera footage. He's really a part of the investigation pretty quickly. Yes. Let's talk about some of the side characters in this town. Yes. Let's start off by talking about Grant and Mal. Yes. So Mal is the father of Ellie, the girl who died, mm-hmm. who uh, Falk had been friends with, and Grant is her cousin. Yeah. And they are the biggest pieces of shit mm-hmm. in the whole town, at least, if not in all of Australia. <laughs> in all of Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because through flashbacks, we find out that Mal and uh, Falk's father had a really bad, intense relationship, and there was animosity there. Yeah. There was animosity between Mal and Luke's parents and Luke himself. It just seems like he hates everybody and everybody hates him, but is also like afraid of him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's so mean-spirited and awful. And, like, in the book, we get evidence of, you know, Falk's dad and Mal getting into an argument about something. And the next day, like, their field is just poisoned. Yeah. Like, you know? Mal's a real son of a bitch. Yeah. And all of it, it's interesting, too, because Ma- uh, Mal's farmland, which was where Ellie grew up, mm-hmm. Luke's family's farm, and where Falk grew up are all kind of, like, uh, adjoining adjoining farmlands like mm-hmm. they all kind of butt up against each other with like I think like some some bush yeah land in some between other or around too. and yeah but they're all kind of conjoining which kind of becomes a part of the mystery yeah because later on he's curious if you know if Grant did this did he do it because a- apparently companies or corporations from Asia are mm-hmm. buying up a lot of farmland in Australia and he's like two properties of land that are uh, next to each other would be a way better deal than just a single plot of land. So maybe it's like a property issue. Yeah. And not only are Mal and Grant um, anim- animosity-ish, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not only do they hate everyone in the town, but they specifically hate Falk because they blame him for Ellie's death. Yes. And they told everybody that he was responsible. And so now that Falk's back, they're harassing him. Um, it used to be a Mal show, but now he's showing some signs of dementia. Yes. So it seems like Grant is sort of taking over the deacon spite. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He's inheriting the farm. <laughs> he's inheriting the spite. Yeah. You got to step up for mm-hmm. your family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they're kind of uh, Falk's biggest obstacle in a yeah. way, or biggest pushback within the community, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Jamie. Jamie is another nearby farm. Mm-hmm. And he becomes involved in the plot because they discover that before the shooting, Luke was at his farm helping him shoot rabbits. Yeah. 
I love this moment in the movie because they draw attention to this in a way that I don't think the book does. And as the reader, you could connect this yourself, but yeah. the fact that shooting rabbits was their alibi. Mm-hmm. For, for Falk and Luke. Yeah, when Ellie was killed and when he hears that, oh, Luke was at this other farm beforehand shooting rabbits. <laughs> Falk is like, what, what? were they doing? Like, kind of tipped off by <laughs> Instantly that. Instantly suspicious. And I, I never really thought about this, but it's brought up so many other times, the idea of shooting rabbits. Yeah. What, are, it, how many rabbits are in Australia? <laughs> like, are they just A lot, destroying <laughs> the landscape? Did they cause the drought? <laughs> Everybody talks about, even the school caretaker yes! has a gun. To shoot to rabbits. To shoot rabbits at the school. And I'm like, what? is wrong with rabbits at the school? Like, what are they doing to the school children? Kids just look outside the window and just watch rabbits exploding. Yeah, are they, like, rabid, like the raccoons can be here? <laughs> like, what's what's the situation? Are they getting into the trash? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Make sure to walk home in pairs in case you come across a hostile rabbit family. <laughs> I mean, I understand the farmers, right? Because they're getting into their crops. Yeah. That makes more sense. But, but the, the school, school, I was like, why? Maybe it's just for fun. <laughs> I don't know. Helping out the community. Uh, yeah, so Jamie, they go to talk to Jamie. He lives at home with his uh, ailing grandmother, and Luke had been over there to shoot rabbits. They had been talking, but nothing too out of the ordinary. Luke's, nothing suspicious. No. And Jamie was like, yeah, I've been here. I was here the whole time when it happened, except... Yeah. They discover that his grandmother actually activated what was essentially her life alert mm-hmm. at one point when the shooting was happening because Jamie wasn't around and firefighters showed up. And so this is all on record. Yeah. And Jamie showed up a little bit later. So he wasn't at home. But the question was, where was he? Yeah. So Falk and Reiko end up looking into this. Yeah. They use some security footage from around the town to piece together where Jamie might have been and what he might have been doing. And uh, basically, they almost uh, out Jamie and the pharmacist <laughs> to the community. Yeah, because they are having... It's it's not an affair that neither of them is with anyone. But yeah, they're having, having this, a relationship. A relationship that they're hiding from the town. Mm-hmm. And Falk gets really pissed off about this. He's like, you've been impeding an investigation. I should, like, <laughs> Take char- you in. charge you with blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, being all pissed off. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Chill out. You, of all people, should understand why Jamie and the pharmacist would be afraid to be open about who they are in this community. Yes, in this town. Like, these people are so aggressive, and Mm -hmm. they're so hostile, at even, like, just the hint of maybe Falk being involved in this girl's death. And you're going to be like, oh, you should have told me that you were gay and sleeping with a man. (laughs) The pharmacist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There is a line, though, given to Jamie in the film that I really like. Yeah. Where he kind of says, like, Falk says to him, I don't care who you sleep with us. Why didn't you tell us the truth? And Jamie says, you think you're going to get the truth in a town like this? When you've been lying for so long, it becomes second nature. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, adding a ominous aura to, ca- you know, casting doubt over everyone. This well, idea. Also, you know, Falk is lying, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He can't throw stones. He impeded a federal investigation. <laughs> yeah, he yes he did. He was, he was only a teenager, but still. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And just this idea of small communities being 
both in each other's business, like way too much, but also full of lies and mm-hmm. deceit and manipulation. And it's definitely a very prominent theme yes. in this book. Mm-hmm. And something that I think a lot of small towns in America can certainly relate to. Definitely. Uh, let's talk about Scott Whitlam, who is the school principal and was Luke's wife, Karen's boss. So she worked in a part-time basis at the school, did a lot of like the financial work there, kept the books, things like that. And, you know, he tells Falk that, yeah, you know, I had this conversation with her like a day or two before she died. And she said things were not great at home. Like, I didn't think that she was scared, but she seemed like on edge, kind of not normal, you know? So this is like, some evidence as to what Karen's state was was like, you know, right before she died. Yeah, and Scott is kind of a big dork. He rides his bike all around town. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the elementary school principal. And he has multiple scenes with Falk. You know, at one point, he Falk goes to his house for d- drinks or dinner, mm-hmm. and he gets to meet his wife and talk to him. He moved and took this job kind of in the country because they had been in Melbourne, but they ran into some trouble. Yeah. In the book, he was like mugged with another guy and the other guy got killed. Mm -hmm. And this kind of scared them off from the city, supposedly. Yeah. And in the book, he says something about like, oh, our house was robbed. Yeah. We find out, too, that Whitlam's wife, I forget her name, Sandra or something? Yes, Sandra. Sandra was... Close-ish with Karen, and in fact, that their kids, Billy and their daughter, were very close. And in fact, Billy was supposed to come over and play with their daughter on the day that they were killed. Yeah. And unexpectedly, Karen called and said, Billy's not feeling too well. I'm going to keep him home today. I'm sorry to cancel our play date. Yeah. And... This also kind of being suspicious, like, did Karen know that something was going to happen? Was she Mm -hmm. worried about Luke? Was she keeping Billy home for some particular reason? So there's a lot going on here. Yeah, just more little hints at the mystery, what was going on with Karen, what was happening, you know. Uh, So throughout the book and throughout the movie, we get these continuing flashbacks to uh, Falk's childhood. I mean, his, his teenage years, him hanging out with Ellie, Gretchen and Luke, what their dynamic was like. Yeah. What Ellie was like and... I think this is interesting in the book. We get these moments. They're kind of inserted in the middle of scenes with this like italicized paragraph formatting Mm -hmm. that is kind of like spurred on by something going on in with Falk in the present that will like bring up a flashback. Yeah. What I find interesting about these flashbacks in the book is that they're told from that character's perspective. Yes. So we get perspectives from Ellie Perspectives from Falk, perspectives from other characters as well. I can't remember specifically, but like it's not just Falk's perspective the whole time. It is for a while. Yeah. And then it starts to break out into other perspectives, which mm-hmm. I do like and find interesting. So it's not inherently like his memories. It's just yes. kind of these general flashbacks. The past coming back. Yes. Mm-hmm. The movie does this too with just, you know, giving us more standard film flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Something I find really interesting that I like is a lot of it. I mean, we know Ellie was drowned in the river, right? Yeah. Which I think is kind of very symbolic. But the whole, the movie sets a lot of scenes just in the river yes. and, and in water. They're constantly in the river. Yes. They're constantly wet. They're constantly at this 
riverbank in this river area. And we see in the present that it is completely dried up. Yes, bone dry. And we see in the movie how deep it is, how often they're swimming in it, what they're doing and playing in it, just being teenagers. And then we just see this desolate, dry riverbed. And it's so, such a stark and very nuanced, not nuanced, but like, it just hits you over the head with how much has changed. Yeah, just the contrast I I really love in the movie, really taking advantage of that because, Mm -hmm. you know, Ellie drowning in the river, I maybe kind of thought about that, you know, being not ironic, but interesting since the town is dry now. But the movie really pushing that motif, right? Yeah. The past being kind of lush and green and with water and the the present (laughs) is just bone dry. Bone dry, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So like the foursome, Luke and Gretchen are kind of together and then you know, Falk has a crush on Ellie. There's a moment where they kiss and it kind of seems like something might happen between them. The book kind of gets into more that like maybe Luke liked Ellie too and was a little bit jealous. Yeah, it never really settles on that. No, I was kind of disappointed by the lack of Mm -hmm. examination of that because it really strongly hints at this there's something going on maybe with Luke and Ellie, mm-hmm. but not fully getting into it. Yeah. We get a scene where she, I think in the book, Falk knew about the place first, but in the film, it's Ellie showing him yeah. uh, the tree rock, mm-hmm. which is just a tree growing out of a rock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, there's kind of a, a, a break in the rock mm-hmm. that's very deep. In the book, it's like a crevice underneath the rock and it's kind of a hiding place almost but this is kind of a place for them Mm -hmm. in a way and it's meaningful to falk and seems meaningful to her too and this is where they have their kiss Mm -hmm. so they're definitely sharing these moments together and it seems like they're hesitantly getting more attached to one another yeah but she died not too long after that. We no, know yeah that. yeah and so it's very you know tinged with this sadness and this never getting to become anything yeah it's also implied multiple times in different ways that luke i don't know was maybe a sociopath it's really kind of just alluded to there's a moment in the film where he's dunking ellie in the mm-hmm. river and he's kind of going all out and dunking her over and over. Yeah. It seems like Is she's he drowning her. Drowning her. Yeah. And then there's a flashback in the book to a time when they had found an injured rabbit and mm-hmm. maybe Luke strangled it or yeah. killed it with his bare hands. And then another time when Luke kind of pretended to fall off a cliff. Yeah. And got them all worried. And then Ellie kind of told him off, you know, I think this is interesting, but I think the lack in this is that we have no adult Luke to contrast this with. Yeah. It's like, did he grow up at all? Was he? Yeah. We get one flashback in the book to when he and Falk met up as adults. At a bar. But we hardly get anything from that interaction. We don't know what he was like. No. And we're told like he and Karen had a happy marriage, but like... Did they? You know, what was their dynamic? I just felt like we didn't have enough to give a complete portrait of who Luke was. And and or like you also could have done it where like that's more of a mystery. Like, yeah, was their marriage strained? Was Luke a dick to her? It was didn't he abusive? really go into that. No, it didn't make a mystery out of it because you yeah. could have done that, too. Like, oh, my God, what did Luke become? Like, did anyone really know him? What are people saying? Is that yeah. true? Just kind of made him out to be like, yeah, he grew up and had a kid. 
Yeah. You know, and maybe he was a sociopath, but also we're not going to really get into what his behavior was. No, all we have is his, you know, teenage behavior and like maybe being like a bit of a playboy or interested in two girls, you know, and maybe being like a little bit of an asshole as a teenager. I mean, he's a white boy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what do we expect? That white boy assholery. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you where that could have been, his character could have been explored further. Because I really feel like earlier in the book, it was definitely like, could Luke have done this? Was it connected to Ellie? Could he have done something to Ellie? And that would lead to him doing something to his wife now. Yeah. But then we kind of drop that. Yeah, I feel like the book and movie are very much like, you know, he didn't do it. Yeah. Let's move on. Like, (laughs) we're all aware that this isn't really what happened. Yeah. And I mean, murder suicides do happen. It's really dark. It's very common. But it does happen. Yeah. So to just like outright. Also, you know, I know it's weird that he would have shot Karen in the doorway, but the whole situation's weird. Yeah. You know, you don't murder suicide your family very often so who knows what happens so yeah to be like this is evidence that he didn't do it mm-hmm. and same with the shotgun rounds and i mean i agree that it that there's a lot of doubt to it mm-hmm. but also people seemed pretty quick to be like i'm pretty sure he didn't do it at least Rako and falk do yes at a, the two of them do yeah and barb yeah i mean his mom so <laughs> <laughs> She's not biased. She's completely unbiased to Nina. In the present, though, Gretchen and Falk are reminiscing about their past, the Mm -hmm. friend group and everything. And Gretchen is offering her own insight into Ellie. Yeah. Because I don't know if Falk ever comes right out and says it, but he's clearly trying to draw parallels between that present death and the current situation. And I think trying to get a feel for things. Mm -hmm. And Gretchen is... Telling Falk, like, listen, I think Ellie was really depressed. Yeah. And I think we were too young and immature or naive. Or self-absorbed. Yeah, to really fully pick up on the severity of it. Yeah, and, you know, she starts mentioning things that we have seen in flashbacks in the book or in the movie where she's like, remember how she suddenly, like, quit drinking and, like, was really kind of moody and angry a lot. Yeah. Remember how, like, she never wanted to go home and, like, things with her dad were really bad? Yeah. Remember how she just stopped hanging out with us for a while and it seemed like she was really really withdrawn? Like, you know, Gretchen kind of says, I think she was being abused. Yeah. At home by her father. I mean, all the pieces were in place, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you consider Ellie's mom left home yeah she packed up her bags and left and i think she intended to come back or at least she told ellie she would and she Mm -hmm. never did yeah and so you know the the father who's abusive who is he going to turn his abuse on to now that the mom's gone it makes sense that he would do it to his daughter yeah and gretchen is like i feel so bad now that i didn't see the signs but she probably killed herself she was deeply unhappy and you know falk is kind of Seeing things that I think because he was looking at Ellie and he was analyzing everything from the perspective of like, did she like me or didn't she? Yeah. Maybe she liked Luke and she wasn't interested in Mm -hmm. me. So he was thinking of it through the lens of like himself, right? Yes. Yeah. He was being self-absorbed. He was like, does she like me? He's looking for signs. Whereas Gretchen was seeing like, she was really, really messed up. Yeah. You know, and Falk is kind of by talking to Gretchen now in the present, 
finding out more about what he missed when he was a teenager. I think this is really interesting because, you know, Gretchen is talking about her responsibility in this. Like, I feel bad. I didn't notice that she was struggling. I wish I would have seen the signs. I wish I would have reached out to her. Maybe she would have talked to me. You know, things that you're like, when you're young, it feels like the stakes are so high, you know, sometimes. And you make all of these decisions and you do these crazy things sometimes. And like, you're just a kid still, you know? I I find stories about especially when it's a view of your high school years from a present adult perspective. Yeah. Because high school is such a weird time where you are still so immature, right? You're still so young and naive. And, you know, the world is kind of heightened. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Falk's perspective is like, oh, this girl, does she like me? Does she like Luke? He's filtering everything through this lens. Yeah. And so in a way, you're still growing and you're still capable of mistakes. And- But despite how much allowances we should give ourselves for that time in our life, we're also oftentimes very hard on ourselves for those periods of time. Things that happen to us still weigh on our minds. Like there are certain things that happened to me in high school that I still think about. I mean, think about really formative things that can happen to you as a teenager. You can have bullying. Yeah. This is often where depression, anxiety, mental illnesses And, you know, stress start to form and develop. This is where you have these intense romantic relationships or you're anxious about those relationships or lack thereof. You know, this is where like you might start having sex for the first time, introducing the idea of possibly being assaulted as well. Like a lot of things can kind of crop up when you're a teenager. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to be a teenager. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, what happens to Ellie is kind of the the most extreme type of situation that a teenager could find themselves in where either, I mean, their classmates died and either she killed herself, which is hard to grasp, or maybe someone else killed her. Yeah. And that's maybe even harder to grasp and mm-hmm. like these really complicated emotions. And I just find this type of situation so fascinating in a story yeah to be viewing your past and especially those years of your life from a present perspective trying to grapple with could i have done more i was just a kid but also clearly like they accused me of murder which, yeah so i was capable <laughs> at least of doing something horrendous and, yeah. or people my age are and yeah i i think this book and movie grapple with those questions a lot Mm -hmm. but part of me almost wishes it had done it more focus just on that yeah i kind of like i feel like the real meat of the story is in this yeah and even though it does spend a good bit of time on it i almost wish the majority of the plot was about this i agree with you i like i like both stories but i don't know if the Ellie story gets the attention that I wanted it to get. Yeah, I almost feel like, I mean, it would have been a totally different story, but like currently, I don't know, like 70% of the mystery is about Luke's mm-hmm. uh, murder-suicide and if someone else did it, and like 30% is about the Ellie backstory stuff. I almost feel like it could have been reversed. Yeah. You know, I would have found it more interesting if 70% was on mm-hmm. him thinking back on Ellie and what happened then and... If maybe Luke 
like if it was less of a mystery, like detective investigative mystery in the present. I mean, that's like a total genre shift because yeah, people who read these books want that mystery. And, yes, the um, procedural stuff. Yeah, yeah. But for me as a reader, my interests slide in the other stuff more. Yeah, let's talk about what Falk is dealing with in the present now, being in this small town. And, you know, we talked about how Mal and Grant Deacon have been hostile towards him and their campaign of hatred is spreading throughout the town. We have this really scene that really kind of stuck with me is when Falk is hanging out with Gretchen at the playground. Yeah. Yes. And they're just, you know, having a picnic. And this is in the book. only. This is in the book. Only her kid is playing on the swing set or whatever. And this woman comes up to them and is just like, you're not welcome here. We want you to get out. And Falk is kind of like, I, I'm just, I can be here if I want. And Gretchen is very much like, get the fuck away from us. Like, don't be stupid. Yes. You know, Gretchen is very like kind of brushing this off. And this woman is like, if you don't leave now, I'm going to get my husband and the other husbands to come down here and make you leave. Yeah. Get away from our kids. And it said a few different times in the book about how the, the badge that Falk carries around means way less in a town like this. Yeah. The idea of police being more at the mercy of the community and yeah. not really having as much power as they might like think that they do. Yeah. And things are really bad. Like in the movie, we do get a lot of this too. Like, you know, Falk, there's a scene in the movie only where some guys come up to Falk's room where he's staying over the bar and start like pounding on the door and screaming at him. But like, it's way worse, I think, in the book because he gets this message scratched into his car's paint that like, we will skin you. Yeah. And then someone dumps shit all over and inside his car. His poor car. I know. That, those were like two separate incidences. That targeted his car. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what did his car ever You will do? never drive again. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, he's like, yeah, my car's ruined. We like washed the outside of it, but the inside is just Filled co- with coated shit. in shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to leave this car here now. <laughs> it belongs to the town now. Yes. There's some flyers that are passed around with his name and photo on it that say like killer. And this happens both in the book and the in the movie. I really felt like in the book that like these people might just kill him. Yeah. They might round up a posse. Yeah. This feels very um, white supremacist lynching mob. Yeah. And I mean, I find stories like this so interesting. What a group mentality can drive people to do when they're looking for a target and and not just a scapegoat for a situation, but a focal point for their anger and frustrations. Yeah. Like, I mean, this whole town is suffering, right? Because Mm -hmm. of this drought and like Luke and his family's whole ordeal has only pushed them farther and they're looking for someone to blame or. Yeah. And I mean. Whether they think Falk killed Ellie in the past, like, they know he has nothing to do with what happened to Luke. And yet, they're like, this is where all of our attention is going. Yeah. Let's get this motherfucker. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it it, it just, that anger and frustration just will override a person's every sensible thought. Yeah. And just get them to follow suit with whatever the town is doing Mm -hmm. yeah it's really scary it is it's terrifying and it's really messed up and it makes me never want to live in a small town (laughs) 
No, and I mean, that goes for the U.S. too. This yeah. is not exclusive <laughs> no. to Australia. Probably more in the U.S. I, I mean, I really do feel that there were so many, you know, despite this story being, like, set in Australia mm-hmm. and feeling distinctly Australian in some ways. I mean, it was such a universal story about what small communities can be like and small mindedness. Yeah, it really rang true for us here (laughs) as well. Unfortunately, you like to think that, oh, outside of the U.S. where everyone is crazy. Hopefully people are a little bit more sane, but there's crazy people everywhere. It's it's all over the place. (laughs) Another mystery element is added around this time in the story where Falk tells Barb that he will return uh, the <laughs> overdue library books that belonged to Karen and Luke. And he, when he's looking through the books, he finds a scrap of paper, a receipt from the library. And on the back is scribbled Grant with two question marks. Yes. And then his own phone number. Yes. And in the movie, there's a newspaper clipping of him solving a like case in Melbourne. I, I thought that was a good visual mm-hmm. cue in the movie to include the newspaper clipping with the photo. So you knew that the phone number was related to him. Yes. Yeah, and so they're like Grant, Grant Deacon. Yes, the the her uh, Ellie's cousin. Yeah, who's the huge piece of shit. The one that's probably put shit in my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they haul you know Grant in for questioning. They're like, "Where were you on that day?" He has this alibi. They're kind of like, "This is where that element that we mentioned earlier about like, did Grant want to sell his farm and also Luke's farm? Yeah. You know what I mean? Was this done for money? Yes. And Mal, his uncle, also has an alibi because. You know, uh, Falk is like, it's one of them. Yeah. It's one of these two sons of bitches, but (laughs) it doesn't seem like it's either one of them. But around this time, we kind of get this idea that uh, maybe Falk is focusing a little bit too much on this pair. Because of resentments. And we find out specifically that Mal and Grant basically drove Falk and his dad out of town after Ellie's murder. Like, personally. Personally. Following him in their own truck. Yeah, they found, like, a dead animal on their doorstep. The harassment got so bad that they weren't, you know, serving them in restaurants or um, in stores in town anymore. And that Falk's dad basically had to pack them up and leave. And this is where they go to Melbourne. They move to the city and they leave this town behind. And like you said, Mal and Grant literally follow them on the road out of town to make sure they leave. I love how terrifying this situation feels. Yeah. On one hand... This is very sundown town. As I was saying, (laughs) like the white supremacist lynching mob, this feels very like when we watched... um, and read uh, Lovecraft Country. Yes, and they're chased out of town. Oh my God, learning about sundown towns was (laughs) fucking crazy. Yeah. And how- There's so much that we don't know about U.S. history. Well, and also the the idea that small towns kind of operate on their own set of rules and laws. Yeah. Maybe the police are involved with that. Maybe they aren't. Mm -hmm. But either way, they become very dangerous places, very tribal. Yeah. So yeah, they were- Essentially escorted out of the town by Mal and Grant. And now maybe Falk is a little overly obsessed with pinning it on them. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I think the book justifies this to a degree or makes you believe Falk is 
too obsessed with them. Yeah. At one point, he follows Mal back to his house mm-hmm. and kind of confronts him, and Mal lunges at him, and they get in a bit of a scuffle. Yeah. Mal hires a lawyer at one point. And remember, this is like an old man, so. But, yeah, <laughs> who is failing mentally. So. Yeah. I will say, though, that Falk kept his cool for so long in this story. I know. That at this point, for him to start unraveling... I, I just didn't totally buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And like the movie doesn't include as much of this evidence. So at one point, Reiko is like, you're obsessed with the Deacons. And I'm like, are they, though? We don't have enough proof of that. And then he was like, this is connected to the past somehow. And I yeah. just have to prove it. And I'm like, you haven't said that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking that to him. I You haven't made this connection public this to anyone. This is the first we're hearing of this. This is the first time you're bringing it up. Yeah. I don't know if. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- a lot of this culminates in a moment here that doesn't feel like it was totally earned in the film. Yeah, Reiko's like, you're off the case. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Melbourne. Go back to the city. You're, I don't need you you're anymore. You're not my best friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this doesn't really happen this way in the book. In the book, you know, Reiko does say, you're getting obsessed with them. Like, they both have alibis. You need to get your head in the game, basically. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to some maybe sexy time. Mm. Falk and Gretchen have just been growing closer and closer. There's one scene where he visited her farm and Gretchen is like, yeah, I don't have to pick up Latchy from school for like another hour. And they don't fuck. And they don't fuck. And I was like, <laughs> why are you two not fucking? You've both just been reminded about how short life is. Yeah, come on. You're both single. Yeah. Just do it. Just, you're, you're both still attractive. Just go for it. But yeah. they don't. But then there's another, you know, part where Falk comes over for dinner and she's like, oh, uh, Lockie's at the babysitter's tonight. Yeah. Like, he'll be gone all night. And Aaron or Falk's like, okay, it's going to happen. They're drinking wine. They're on the mm-hmm. couch. I love this moment when they're on the couch where he thinks to himself, okay, I somehow have to make it. <laughs> so that we're closer together. I have to close the gap on the us. couch. But she closes the gap herself by bringing out this photo album and showing some photos of them when they were kids. Yeah, and scooching in closer. Mm-hmm. And he, he's thinking, like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> they start making out. It's starting to get hot and heavy. You're like, oh, our man Falk is finally going to get some. He's going to loosen up a yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking Latchy. Has a, latchy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, is a meltdown with the babysitter, and the babysitter has to call and interrupts their whole vibe. Mm-hmm. But you're thinking, okay, it's just they're putting a pause on things. Certainly, nothing could ruin this. Yeah, moment. nothing's gonna get in the way. But of course, <laughs> Falk begins to flip through her photo albums while he's just sitting there, and comes across a photo of her after she had just given birth to Latchy. <laughs> But you're just committing. I, I am. I'm just uh, I'm committing <laughs> to the bit. And there's a photo of the baby and Luke in the hospital room holding him. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the pieces are connecting for Falk that Luke was actually the father. Because Gretchen has said, oh, um, Lockie's father has just been was just a guy who came through town. He's not yeah. involved at all. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. But now he's like, maybe... That's not true, and maybe Luke is the actual father. Maybe Gretchen has been involved with Luke on and off this whole time. Did Karen know? Did Did she kill Karen and Luke? Did she kill them? And in the movie, there was a scene where 
Gretchen was shooting rabbits. Yes. And she had the blue ammunition. Uh, yes. That was the ammunition that didn't match mm-hmm. from the crime scene. And, uh, you know, as a reasonable man would, when Gretchen comes back and is ready to start making out again, he's like, did you kill them? <laughs> and I'm like, no, Falk, you what were are you so doing? close. Just don't accuse her of murder. <laughs> All you had to do was not accuse her of murder. And you could have gotten some. Yeah. But of course, he's so obsessed with the case that he, I mean, he just alludes to the idea. Yeah. Which. I mean, he brings up the fact he's like, I mean. This is like Luke is the father of your kid, right? And she denies it and she keeps denying it. She never admits it. So it is possible that he's not. I think he is. I mean, I probably, I am surprised that she never fessed up to it. Yeah. Because by the end, you would think that she would, but she's still saying he's not the father. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe he's not. Yeah. Maybe she's just given up on trying to convince. Maybe like all the people in this town look the same. Because of all the inbreeding. What? <laughs> I'm not I'm not going down that road with you. <laughs> but yeah, uh obviously accusing a woman of murder does not add to the vibe. Nah. And she promptly kicks him out of the house. I mean, why would she? She should just she should be like, No, I didn't do it. You wanna keep going? Like <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> She's like, the, the, the it, it's slim pickings in this town for, yeah. for guys to hook up with. Maybe she's like, ooh, are we role playing? And is like, yeah, I killed that. <laughs> oh my God. And he like tries to arrest her and she's like, oh, we're really committing to the bit. Or that she was like playing along when she's like, I'm insulted. Get out of my house. Yeah. And then she was actually shocked when he was gone. She's like, wait, where is he? Yeah. I thought we were doing a bit. <laughs> I thought he was going to, like, sneak back inside. <laughs> no such luck. No. Uh, she sends Falk walking home, and he is left to just hang out, blue balls and all, in his apartment. <laughs> in his little hotel room above the bar. Uh, he and the barman have been getting along quite well. They've got a good rapport. Yeah, Right, yeah. you know? Um, I love this pub atmosphere. Uh, our patron kind of mentioned something about how a lot of scenes take place in the pub, which is very like Australian. Yeah. Or just get, like a UK also like pub yes. culture. Mm-hmm. It does make me wish there was more something like that in the US. Yeah. Or just a place. And I think honestly, breweries are kind of like taking They're over becoming that role. That. Yeah. But a place that people could just kind of like gather and mm-hmm. hang out. And yeah, obviously drinking is a part of that, but it's more just like communal. Yeah. Yeah, so he's with the barman. The barman kind of makes this comment to him about the principal, Scott Whitlam, doing a lot of gambling at, like, the slot machines in the pub. Because he just got slot machines in the back, I guess. You know, yeah. (laughs) And that he's there, like, every night gambling. Yeah. And that it's, like, a problem. And the movie actually shows us a scene where uh, Whitlam's wife is there looking for him. And she's being really weird. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I'm just looking for Scott. And she's like, sometimes at my house, I think people are watching us. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) And then Scott appears. He's like, oh, I'm here. Let's go. Let's go home. What's wrong with you? Why are you being so weird? Yeah. Just jump on my bike. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So I don't know what specifically it's kind of vague in book and movie like what specifically tips off him off to this idea mm-hmm. 
But the next morning, he breaks back into Gretchen's house in the film. In the movie only. Literally, he just saw this woman shooting rabbits with excellent aim. Yes. He accused her of murder (laughs) and like kind of believed it. And, and also, she kicked him out. And also, this is in a town that a murder-suicide possible, like... Homicide. Triple murder yeah. just occurred. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk right into her house while she's asleep. Yep. And steal shit from her. And he gets away with it, too. <laughs> which he should not have. He yeah. should have been shot. I thought this was batshit in the movie. Absolutely. And... Also totally unnecessary. They could have just had a flashback of him remembering the documents or something that she was looking at. And then looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they didn't need to actually have him go and retrieve them from her house. I know. This is so stupid. I thought it was really dumb. (laughs) Essentially, he has formed a new theory. Yeah. And I would like to say, Adina, (laughs) I figured this story out before I even hit page 200. I know you did, Ian. (laughs) Okay, because here's what happened, and I have to tell everybody, okay? Please tell everybody. We're reading this book, and a lot of times when we're reading the book, we're at different parts in the story, right? We don't read the same pace. And so we're reading it, and we, we kind of talk about it. We we try not to talk too much about stories because we want to save it for when we record the podcast, right? And we're talking about the story a little bit, and Ian's like, I have a theory about who the murderer is, and... You know, and I'm I'm kind of like, oh, I haven't really thought about that yet. Like, I don't have any thoughts. And he was like, do you want me to tell you? And I said, no. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want you to tell me. I want us to kind of like come to our own conclusions and then compare. But I wanted proof that yes. I had figured it out when I did. So I thought... I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to fold up this piece of paper yeah. and put it somewhere. And Ian's like, I'm going to write it down, okay? And I'm like, great. You write it down. You do that. And then he's in the other room. I'm in the kitchen doing something. He's in the other room. And then he just calls out and he's like, how do you spell principle? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me, Ian? <laughs> oh, wish- do you think it's the principle, Ian? <laughs> There's no excuse for me being that stupid. <laughs> but I swear to God, I was just writing it down. And I know how to, well, I, I misspelled it first, principal. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait, I know how to spell it. It's principal, P-A-L. Yeah. But then I wrote that and I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and then I just, my brain just latched onto that. And then I was like, I should ask Adina. <laughs> Not even realizing that I was absolutely giving away. Oh my God. It was like a sitcom it timing. Was, but except a sitcom writer wouldn't write that because it would be too on the nose. I know. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I wasn't that upset, but it was I know. just hilarious. I and it, it took me a minute to even realize what I had done because <laughs> we were talking about it, like how to spell principle in the yeah. kitchen. And then I went, oh, wait. <laughs> and I was like, do you think it's the principle? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't even like make up a Yeah, an there was no getting point. out I of that. I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. Here's the thing though, okay? And this is partly how I... And I I figured out not just who did it, but a lot. Yeah, you figured out a lot. Like, a lot about it. And the reason was, okay, so you have... In a murder mystery, right? Yeah. And and this is the thing that's so difficult with murder mysteries, right? Where if you know someone killed someone, right, and you have your group of possible suspects... If the reveal is that it was one of those people, that's never going to be a satisfying reveal, I don't think. And it's going to be really hard to get away with. And in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, well, we had 
the neighbor, yeah, Jamie, Jamie. But he was absolved, and that all made sense. And then you have Grant and his father, who who were the obvious red herrings, right? Yeah. And then you have Gretchen, which is him just, oh my god, just like <laughs> grasping at straws and yeah. fucking it up. And I thought, well, we, I'm like, we've gotten a lot of scenes with this principal, yeah, and that feels weird, right? <laughs> like, why do we have so many scenes with the principal? And at this point, we had the note that had uh, Falk's phone number on it, yeah, and I was like, I got it. I was like, Karen found out that the principal was siphoning money from the school because we know the school is in shitty uh, conditions and that the school had applied for a grant Mm -hmm. to get money for it but hadn't gotten it. And I I speculated, I'm like, maybe they got the grant and he stole the money or maybe something else related to that. But that was my – and that Karen found out about this and that's why she – wrote Falk's name down because she was going to contact him because... He works in financial crimes. Yes, that's his whole thing is financial crimes. Mm -hmm. And I realized all of this, and there is still quite a bit of the book left to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you figured it out pretty early. I was impressed. And honestly, I felt stupid that I didn't realize that Grant, the name, was actually meant to... On the note, was actually relating to the grant that the school had applied for and mm-hmm. didn't get, but they actually had gotten and he stole the money. Yeah. Uh, that should have been obvious to me too, but no, it was just a matter of like, well, when you eliminate all of the red herrings, which feel obvious, who else is even left in the story? Yeah. And I'm like the principal. Yeah. And we've gotten a lot of time with the principal for some reason. Re- also that weird mugging, right? Yeah. And also <laughs> that time that a man died next to him and he's like, oh, it was muggers who aren't here anymore. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. Like that all felt weirdly inserted into the story. Yeah. At this point in the book where when Falk is figuring it out, we get some flashbacks and stuff from Whitlam, the principal's perspective. Yeah. Which I found really interesting. You know, we find out about his gambling problems, all the money he owed when they were in Melbourne, and like how there were gangsters coming after him. And the mugging was some guy trying to extort him for money, and they struggled with a knife, and, you know, Whitlam accidentally on purpose killed him. (laughs) (laughs) And then played it off as a mugging gone wrong. And then he and his wife moved to this small town to try to escape their money troubles. And his wife kind of knowing a little bit of their financial difficulty, but not the full scope. And then... You know, these debt collectors, these gangsters still finding him and threatening him and then having this grant money come in and he's like, I can use this to at least partially pay off some of the debts I owe. He takes that chance. Karen notices and finds out. Yes. And now he feels like he's caught. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense, too, because part of me was like, well, why did he not just kill Karen? Why did he kill Luke, too? And I thought... Well, he probably only killed Luke to make it look like a murder-suicide. Yeah. But then the obvious thing is brought up that she probably told Luke. Yeah. She probably would have told Luke, like, hey, I discovered evidence that maybe the principal embezzled, like, $50,000. Yeah, and the principal's like, I have to kill both of them. I mean, he's like, I've already killed a man. I know I can do it. <laughs> I have and a bloodlust. Like, Jesus. <laughs> he literally uses his bike as a distraction. He's like, oh, no, I'm disabled on the road. My bike is broken. And I'm Luke, disabled. <laughs> Luke pulls over, hits him over the head with a sock full of rocks. Yeah. Um, Hits him over the head until he's basically dead just throws him in the back of luke's own truck throws his bike in there drives the truck to karen's house uh rings the doorbell 
Yes. Karen opens the door, shoots her. Tragically, Billy, the son, sees this happen, runs into his room. And that little detail about how Billy was supposed to be with his own child at his house, safe, he literally tried to get Billy to be there so he wouldn't have to kill Billy. Yeah, which makes, that was the other thing that tipped me off and I realized, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he probably orchestrated that so he wouldn't kill Billy. Yeah. And then the mom at the last minute canceled the plans. Because she was like, I'm not sending my son to this guy's house. Yeah, and he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So he has ha- to. no choice <laughs> but to murder a six-year-old. Yeah, he stops short at killing the baby because he's like, I mean, the baby's not going to fucking remember me, so I'm but in good. The, in the book, he almost shot the baby, I know, too. he was like, mm, maybe I shoot the baby? And then he's like, you don't need to shoot the baby. And he's like, but I want to shoot the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a rampage right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's all very dark. Drives uh, Luke's body out and then... You know, points the, puts the gun in his own hand and shoots him. In the movie, he shoots Luke first. Yeah, which I, I suppose makes sense. Like, they probably wouldn't know. How that, much a time difference. That, yeah, that Luke was killed five minutes before yeah. the, the wife and kid. So, but yeah, that was essentially the timeline and the motivations and everything that led to uh, this situation. Mm-hmm. And also, it was funny how the bike became such a prominent <laughs> part of the evidence. Oh, my God. I love Eric Bana, who plays, um, or Eric Bana. How do you er- say it? Eric Bana. Bana. Eric Bana, who plays Falk in the movie, saying, his bloody bike. <laughs> <laughs> because part of the evidence was they saw that uh, the principal's car was at the school the entire time. Yeah. And someone brought that up. Well, what about the, the, the car being there the whole time? And. Eric Ban is like, because he's always riding that bloody bike. And he's like, gets his car keys and they're out. He's like, oh, those people on bikes, I hate them. (laughs) Well, also in the book, a whole part of the evidence was that there were weird scuff marks in the truck. Mm -hmm. And they were weirdly spaced apart. And it's discovered that that was the tire marks from his bike. Because he threw the bike in the back of the truck after killing Luke. Mm -hmm. And this annoyed me. This is one of those things where... Yeah, I mean, it's good to wonder what all the elements are and to question everything. But, I mean, he was a farmer and he probably carried Yeah, had a lot of equipment. A lot of equipment and there was probably (laughs) shit in his truck all the time. And, like, why are these two scuff marks so prominent? And, like, why are you so focused on them? Yeah. That it just felt, like, a little silly. It just felt like a reason to have, like, a, oh, aha moment later on. Mm -hmm. Same with the... Uh, the shotgun thing. So we don't get an explanation for this in the movie. Yeah. But I thought about this reading the book and we do get an explanation, but I thought, well, he used Luke's shotgun to kill the family, but how did he know he'd have his shotgun on him? Yeah. Because he brought shells. Well, he, he brought another gun just in case. I don't think he did. Yeah, he did. In the book, when you're reading, he takes the shells from the schools. Yeah. Arsenal, and he also takes the gun. I thought he just took, because he knew. He knew Luke would be shooting rabbits, yeah. but he says he took that gun just in case. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. So he took that, he he took that just in case Luke didn't but have But that gun doesn't make, because like he's riding his bike, so he's just got a shotgun. <laughs> on his back. Because I thought in my head, well, that at least explains why he was able to like inconspicuously ride his bike to the. I'm pretty sure I can find well, it. Well, the thing is, he overhears at the bar Luke and the neighbor talking about going to shoot rabbits the next day. So I'm like, 
that's so coincidental that he just happened to overhear this situation and be like, oh, he'll have a shotgun on him that I can use to murder his family. Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. (laughs) Okay, he's going to the sheds. Within minutes, Whitlam had unlocked the ammunition store and pocketed a handful of shells. The school had a single shotgun for rabbit control, which he placed in a sports bag and slung over his shoulder. Okay. He would use that only as a last resort. Luke Hadler would have his own gun, Whitlam begged silently. He'd been shooting with Sullivan. But ammunition? No idea. Okay. Yeah, I remember the whole thing with ammunition and him taking extra ammunition. And Mm -hmm. that he was relieved when he found Luke's gun in the car. Yeah. I forgot that he brought an extra gun with him. And I mean, I guess it was in a bag. Here's the thing about murder mysteries, okay, is that you have to have a sufficient amount of clues so that when you find out everything at the end, all the pieces fall into place and you're like, oh, okay, that explains the scuff marks. That explains the bullets. That explains, like, why this character said this thing. That explains this. And even in this story where a lot of those clues were pretty mild. Yeah. Like, nothing was that exaggerated or that, like, over the top. Outlandish, yeah. But even given that, in this book, you have to have, like, the principal just overhearing at this exact moment Luke and the neighbor were going to be shooting Mm -hmm. rabbits and that, like, that allows him to... You just have to have a lot of contrived scenarios. Yeah, and the movie doesn't really get into all this. No, no, but, like, also, if you think about it, you would be... You'd have questions. You would have to have questions, Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that that's part of the problem I have just with this genre a lot of times in general is it just raises, like, it has to be a really airtight script mm-hmm. to not just raise a lot of questions or have a lot of, like, coincidences, right? Yeah, I did think it fell together pretty well. Like, nothing felt too crazy to me. No. Especially, like, him... The whole thing with Billy, especially, right? That he had wanted Billy to be out of the yeah, house. You know, yeah. I liked that detail. I did too. Um, unfortunately, Whitlam is tipped off that Falk and Reiko know about the embezzlement. Yes. And so he gets the fuck out and ends up running into the bush. <laughs> they chase him and then he's like, guess what? I have a bunch of lighter fluid and a lighter. A lighter. I was like, what's lighter fluid and lighter? <laughs> Yeah, and so essentially, it's kind of a standoff where the the bush and the grass and everything in the whole town is so dry because they haven't had rain in, I think in the book they say two years. Yeah. I think in the movie it's only a year, but just everything, it's, it's a tinderbox. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, if he drops that lighter. With that lighter fluid? We're, we're dead. We're not even getting out of here. Yeah. And kind of, like, they try to reason with him, and they're in this standoff where he's like, the school is not that far from here. Yeah. Your kid is in that school. Like, that school will will go up. Like, yes. it's going to burst into flames, like, immediately. And, you know, Whitlam's, you know, erratic, crazy. He's like, I did it for my family. I was trying to protect them. Blah, blah, blah. I'm an innocent man. I didn't mean to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah, and he's, and I think this was, interesting because in the film we get a lot of these flashbacks yeah I mean, he's just I, I thought the actor who played Whitlam did a really good job yeah in the film at this point he just seems so deranged mm-hmm. on edge they can't get him to put the lighter down he seems like he's going out with everyone yeah and I think I know that wildfires especially in situations like this are extremely dangerous right yeah I think of them being more dangerous in terms of, like, evacuating a town mm-hmm. than, like, 
I was like, would Falk and Reiko really not be able to escape the fire yeah. in time? Would it really kill them? Like, that seems a little exaggerated because they're like, it'll kill all of us. Yeah. So I looked it up because I'm curious. I'm like, how fast do uh, fires travel? Yeah. And I, I looked it up. Fires can travel quickly up to six miles per hour in forests and up to 14 miles per hour in grasslands. Mm. Additionally, for every if, if if the land and ground is elevated. Yeah. An extra 10 degrees of slope will double the speed of the fire. Mm. So if the fire is traveling upwards, it yeah. will go twice as fast with only 10 degrees of elevation. Wow. So they go crazy fast. And it makes sense. That, like, yeah, even though it goes six miles per hour in a forest, you also can't travel that fast. Like you have to like yeah. evade trees, get over mm-hmm. bushes and shrubs. And so like after reading that, I'm like, yeah, it probably would have killed all of them. Yeah. But I think especially, I mean, the, I think the book gives you more of that context when you're reading it. Yeah. I think in the film... When we were watching this, I just was like, is this accurate? Would this really happen? Mm-hmm. I don't think it played quite as well in I mean, the film. it looks so dry around them, though. It does. Like, but, and he literally poured gasoline all around him. Like, it's going to go true. up immediately. I, I think, for me, the threat was more active that it would spread to the school and the yes. whole town before they could get people out. I, that, I agree. That aspect of the threat still felt very relevant, right? But it was more when he uh, Falk was like, this will kill all of us. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I think you two can escape, right? Yeah. <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know. So. Yeah. In the movie, Whitlam pours gasoline on himself and tries to light himself on fire. Yeah. In the book, he just is like literally going to drop it and Reiko and Falk charge him. And end up using their own bodies to try to, like, roll out and put out the fire. Yeah. I think the film does a really cool thing here where they, like, intercut slow motion Mm -hmm. of Scott on fire and Falk and Reiko charging him. Yeah. And it's all in slow motion. Mm -hmm. And this is intercut with uh, the murders that he committed. Yeah. And just, like, the details of, like, how he actually did it, Mm -hmm. what, like, was going through his head at the time. Yeah. And I thought chopping this together was, like, a really interesting choice. Yeah. Falk wakes up in the hospital. He's got burns on his arms and hands and on one of his legs. Uh, Reiko got really badly burned, but he's going to survive. Falk finds out that Scott Whitlam survived. (laughs) Yep. He is burned beyond recognition, but he is alive and going to prison. And so that's justice, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting wrap up here because it seems kind of anticlimactic a bit after the fire standoff. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, Whitlam's going to jail. And, you know, I, I appreciated that, though, because, I mean, I, I like that the standoff dealt with the 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 drought ridden town yeah and literally holding a match to that and kind of just adding to that atmosphere of everything could go up in flames in a minute like mm-hmm. metaphorically and literally yeah but then it is dramatic but it's not crazy dramatic and I think this movie, for the most part, was fairly grounded. Yeah. Falk never does anything, like, overly heroic. Yeah, he's not leaping off buildings or no. anything. No. And so it felt still grounded within the movie and book we've been reading this whole time. Yeah, we get some wrap-up with Gretchen's character. You know, he apologizes. I like in the movie that he literally says, 
I'm sorry for accusing you of murder. (laughs) (laughs) This this movie's very serious the whole time. Like, not that that's a bad thing. Yeah. But this one moment is one of the few, like, self-aware funny moments in the whole film. Um, And then he also gets some more information here from Gretchen. Because Gretchen tells him, listen, you know, when Ellie died on that day, I was with Luke that day. Yes. And we we saw Ellie at the river and Luke was being all like pouty because Ellie was being kind of like rude to him earlier. And so he's like, let's not stop. Let's not talk to her. Let's just go. And she's like, and I let myself just go with Luke and not stop and see what was going on with Ellie. And if I would have just gone to her, I could have maybe stopped her from killing herself. Yeah. And so... Gretchen is like, I know you weren't with Luke that day because I was with Luke that day. Yeah. So that kind of brings us full circle. She alludes to earlier, at least in the film, that she knows Falk wasn't where with he's Luke. with Luke where mm-hmm. he said he was. But we kind of don't know what that means, at least for quite a while. Yeah. And so this is, you know, exonerating Luke and Gretchen, you know, and their involvements in Ellie's death. We also get a little bit of wrap up with Luke's parents that I really like in the book where Luke's parents are like, even though our son is still dead, you have kind of brought him back to us. Yeah. Because this whole time when they've been grieving him, they've been grieving him with this thought that like maybe he did this awful thing Mm -hmm. and that the town was kind of against them because of that. And now they can just mourn Luke for who he was and they don't have to worry if he had killed his family and they can just grieve him as this lost son you know yeah i thought that was a really impactful moment too Mm -hmm. i like that there was this line in the film though that kind of made me roll my eyes a bit where the moment that falk is like out of the hospital out of the burn ward he's still in the hospital but barb and uh jerry go up to him and are like oh my god like we heard what you did she's like the whole town heard what you did you've changed a lot of minds (laughs) Like, she's just like, everyone has forgiven you. Everyone likes you now. Yeah, and I was like, all right, could we have not seen that in any other way? Did we really have to get that line? It just Mm -hmm. felt so clunky. Yeah. But, yeah, we we do learn that a lot of the townspeople have now... I guess accepted that Falk never killed Ellie, even though there's basically zero evidence of it to begin with. Yeah. Honestly, I don't fully buy this. Yeah. I mean... People are stubborn. Mm -hmm. And even when presented with evidence, like they would rather like in their mind contort the the truth than admit they had been wrong about something. Yeah. So I don't know that I buy that they would just be like, oh, no, Aaron Falk was totally. (laughs) We love him now. Yeah, he's great. He saved the town. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Well, Falk decides to walk back to the rock tree to pay his kind of last respects to Ellie. He's heading back to Melbourne. He's out of this town. Um, and when he's there, he ends up finding her backpack. He looks in the crevice of the rock tree mm-hmm. where it's kind of hidden out of sight, but he manages to like find it. And he's going through it and he finds a lot of important items like clothing, clothing money, wallet, money, her diary, her diary, other like pieces of evidence it seemed like maybe she was like running away that this was some kind of go bag Mm -hmm. and he begins to read her diary and this is intercut in the book with like kind of flashback elements yeah and in the book it seems like all the info is in the diary itself or in the film i'm sorry all the evidence is in the diary 
that uh, she was running away from her abusive father. Yeah. She planned to run away just like her mom did. Mm -hmm. Um, She had been saving money for years. She had been planning this and that she was she had stashed her backpack ahead of time and was going out to get it. And her dad noticed that she was missing, came after her and then fucking drowned her. Yep. Also that he maybe raped her. So that was in the diary. So, um, and then we're just fucking left with this, Ian. Then it just, and then ends. Aaron, Aaron Falk is like, oh, great. I'm just going to walk back this way. And that's it. It's so open ended about what he's going to do, if anything. Yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to feel glad that she was killed instead of no, it's killed herself. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I really don't know how to. I mean, on one hand, okay, like, I partly appreciate this because it felt obvious that Ellie was being abused. Yeah. And in either whether if she killed herself or she was murdered by her dad. It was her dad's fault. It was her dad's fault either way. Yeah. So it feels like he might as well have been the murderer. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a shock to be like, oh, the abusive father killed her. Well, but we'd never have any idea of if he's going to get justice or not. No. And that's frustrating. I mean, she has the, there's another book. I don't know if this is alluded to at all Mm. in the next book, but it's about a different case. But is it Falk again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in the book, there's a line about him walking back to town. Yeah. So I don't know if that's supposed to be him being like. Turning in the evidence. Yeah. But in the film, we just get him walking walking away. Yeah. I'm very mixed on this. I am too. Because I mean. I almost wish they just left it open-ended. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't love it. Yeah, I wish they would have wrapped it up if they were going to bring it in in the first place. Yeah, especially in the film, we get a really creepy shot of the dad. Yeah. Sitting in his, like, house, just kind of staring vacantly. It's upsetting. It is. And it's also sad because, like, he has dementia now. I know. And it's like, what would even be the the justice or would there even be a sense of justice of throwing an, a demented man in prison for mm-hmm. something that he, I don't even know if you're I mean I would happy I'd be happy to see it but like it's not as sweet as it could well, be he, yes exactly it doesn't like f- totally fulfill that sense mm-hmm. well also in the book it's implied that Grant knew about it knew about it well but here's the thing though in the book all this info is in a flashback. Is in a flashback. The diary only says, I'm running away, basically. And if my dad finds me, he'll kill he'll me. He'll kill me. So, I mean, I guess, like, that's a lot of implied evidence. Yeah. But that's not enough to actually, like, convict anyone. No. So I don't know if he could <laughs> convict the dad if he wanted. It's very um, Amy and Gone Girl. This man could kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, our patron Pia wanted to know if this book felt more like an Australian mystery or if there were elements that just felt universal. I think we've talked about this off and on and it feeling kind of universal in a lot of ways. Yeah, almost. I I kind of almost wish like there is more specific Australian elements to it. I mean, shooting rabbits, shooting rabbits. I mean, (laughs) my takeaway from this is that people in Australia 
Just that's their pastime. All they do is shoot <laughs> rabbits all day, every day. They all have shotguns. There's just rabbits in every <laughs> suburb, city, country. Like, they're just everywhere. Uh, no, I mean, it's a very universal story. For sure. But which one is better? I think that despite the movie giving us a lot of good visual flair, and yeah. Eric Ban is very good in it. I think all the performances are good in it. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to go with the book, I think. Yeah, I don't really think the movie has much to add here. It's just kind of regurgitating the book in a way that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. I mean, I appreciate the flashback scenes and like the river as yes. like kind of like a motif that keeps coming back, you know, and a visual um, that reminds us of the differences between the past and the present. But I think, I honestly think... I would rather read a mystery than watch a mystery. Yeah. You know? Because It depends on the mystery. There's so many questions you have. And even if in the film you're not able to, like, fully articulate what might not line up. Yeah. I still think sometimes it can leave you feeling unsatisfied Mm -hmm. in the film version because it feels like, does that make sense? Does that add up? Yeah, does everything add up? Where at least in the book... You know, even there might even though there might be parts that are more contrived, at least you get a f- more full picture picture of what happened, what led to what and mm-hmm. the entire situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree just in general. I think mysteries are oftentimes better read mm-hmm. unless they're written for the screen specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a book for both of us. Um, ready to do a little lightning round. Let's do a lightning All right, so I just have some quick stuff for Lightning Round because I think we talked about, honestly, most of everything in this book. Uh, Just want to say in the book, there is a little detail that when Falk goes to the school, he sees, like, the pictures the kids have drawn. And they're all, like, of this desolate, dry (laughs) landscape. I don't know if some of them have, like, dead livestock on them, (laughs) but it's just, like, these really creepy, depressing kid drawings. I love that. That was really funny. (laughs) Uh, There's a really funny scene in the film where this is, like, when Falk is kind of on the edge. Yes. Uh... Reiko has just told him, you're off the case, like you're obsessed with this thing. And he's like, I know. Gretchen kicked him out. Gretchen kicked him out. He's like, I know, I'll take a nice relaxing shower. (laughs) And he turns the shower handles and just like a gross brown (laughs) liquid just like oozes oozes out of the shower head. And he's just like, ah, he just like screams at the shower. (laughs) It's great. And it's like, honestly, it made me laugh more than like feel like the drama of the moment. Uh, I love in the movie, too, that um, Falk actually tells Reiko that he needs to go to therapy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> Reiko's talking about finding the bodies of this family and it being it kind of messing him up. And he's like, yeah, you should you should go to those sessions that they tell you to go to. Like, go, go to more of them. You need it. And then <laughs> later on, like, Reiko's wife is kind of like, don't you dare, like hurt my husband and he's like I- i'm good i'm good but yeah. like <laughs> she's like i will kill you yeah <laughs> lastly there's just like a few um aussie terms that like i really liked where yeah. one was um like the use of stuff mm-hmm. they used stuff a lot so like saying uh i'm not gonna stuff you around mm. I, like kind of like stuff is a verb Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, mess with you. I'm not going to, like, waste your time. Mm-hmm. Or, like, don't you stuff up this investigation. Oh, okay. Like, I thought that was just kind of a, I liked that term. Mm-hmm. And at one point, this was only once, but someone asked, 
fancy a cuppa. Like a, <laughs> Feels a yeah, you know, like British a, thing a, a too. Cuppa, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, but they don't even clarify. It's just cuppa. A cuppa. A Could cuppa. be anything. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> uh, that's lightning round, and that's our episode. Thank you to our patron again for requesting this one. Uh, it's really great to read something different. We don't do a lot of mysteries, and always great to read a book um set in another country as well yeah this was really fun to do even though ian ruined (laughs) the mystery for me i won't hold it against him ruined it by being totally right (laughs) totally justified (laughs) about everything (laughs) yeah if you want to uh, help out the podcast you can leave us a rating on app or on uh, spotify or on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. you can leave us ratings or on Apple Podcasts, a written review, written review. It really helps us. Yeah. And if you would like to have us talk about a book to movie or show adaptation, best way to do that is to become a patron. All of our patrons get priority episode requests. And we also come out with monthly bonus episodes for our patrons. We have one coming out real soon about, or I guess it already came out, about the Star Wars original trilogy. Yes, we did one in the prequel trilogy. We did the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it's a treat. Um, so all of our patrons get access to those episodes. And if you just want to reach out to us or talk to us, you can do so at cover to credits pod at gmail.com or you can reach us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. For as long as that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just reach out to us on any platform. We love hearing from listeners, whether it's about an episode, your thoughts on a book or movie adaptation, suggestions, just... Send us send us any any thought in your head. We'd yeah. love to hear it. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.